It is no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives in me. I am not my own, but belong body and soul, in life and in death, to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. Remember who you are and whose you are. Baptism washes and cleanses us from our sins and transforms us from being the children of wrath into the children of God. Hello and welcome to episode three of Identity, a podcast that explores Christian identity and doctrine with a reformed bent. I'm your host, Nathan Lockett. Today's Monday, August 24th. Today is the first interview episode as we talk to Lucas Dykstra about how his identity as a child of God impacts his work and life. My apologies for the delay in the episode. Our guests had some things come up that required a rescheduling. We'll be back for the interview after a quick break. We're now joined by Lucas Dykstra. Lucas, first and foremost, is a child of God who lives out his baptismal identity in a variety of ways. He's a stewardship specialist working in applied ecology. He's a husband, a son, a friend, and all other sorts of things influenced by his calling as a child of God. But today we're going to zoom in on the baptismal component of this and how it impacts his job, his life, his work. Um, so Lucas, first, thanks for joining us. Um, and could you start by just telling us a little bit about what it is your job entails, the emphasis, focus, what you do on a daily basis, that kind of stuff? Uh, yeah, so uh, in my position, so I work for an organization who protects natural lands across West Michigan. Um, and so apart from just acquiring land, um, you know, a lot of people think, oh, well, you buy a nature preserve and you're done, that's it. Um, but actually a lot of these habitats need maintenance, um, which people don't typically think of. So, you know, there's natural, what are called disturbance regimes. Um, so, you know, fire and tornadoes and whatever that would come through and kind of, you know, essentially harm the, the preserve um, are actually very natural and things, yeah, kind of in a way set things right. Uh, sometimes. Um, but then you also have a lot of things like invasive species that are taking over preserves and, and stuff like that, things that are really harming the biodiversity and the uh, integrity, the ecological integrity of those preserves. Um, and so, yeah, I kind of do a variety of those things, doing prescribed burning, um, doing a lot of invasive species management. Um, we have some preserves that are definitely in need of some some work so you know a lot of things that people planted pine plantations well that's not a very natural uh community there uh or actually right now we're working on restoring a golf course in grand rapids um and so that takes a lot of work <laughs> to go from golf course back to uh you know a normal um, well, what I would consider normal, um, <laughs> sort of ecological, you know, prairie, oak savanna type community. So, mm -hmm. so that's, that's generally what I do. Um, I'm out in nature preserves all day doing all sorts of things. So <laughs> what originally got you 
into this? Because you studied this in undergrad, and then well, what spurred you to want to work in on foreign nature? Yeah, so I think it started a long time ago, um, back when I was just a little tyke. Um, we had <laughs> we had like 11 acres, and it, we didn't own it, but the people who owned it didn't care that we were back there. Um, but there were 11 acres behind my house of just woods, um, and I would go around and bomb out there, cruise around, explore. You know, we were building forts, whatever. Um, and then I grew up doing a lot of camping and hiking, canoeing, um, a lot of kind of family vacations were geared towards the outdoors too, um, which really, yeah, just kind of fostered a love for, for being outside and, um, just the adventure and the unexpected nature of things, um, yeah. when you're out there. So, nice. and then, so, yeah, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, um, studying it in school kind of like brought it to a whole new level for me where it was mm. like okay i think you know i don't want to be in an office so this is the alternative i guess um but actually starting to learn about the interactions within nature and um just the way that we see really yeah just the way that we see variation in interactions and just the way everything fits together is just like mind blowing to me. Mm. And so, yeah. I mean, I've got, I've got lots of examples, but I don't want to go down a <laughs> rabbit hole either. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. but yeah. So as you sort of engage with this, both when you were studying it and in your job now, and as you continue to learn and study, how does your faith kind of impact how you engage in it, how you embrace certain impacts, how you think about the work you do? Because your organization isn't specifically Christian, unless I'm mistaken. No, no, it's not. How does it like? How does that impact how you approach it? How you think about it? Um, yeah. So I would say, in general, on just like a very basic level, um, mm -hmm. bare bones. It's essentially, if if we believe that God created the world, then how do we respond to that? You mm -hmm. know, how do we treat the world um and if you look at how humans treat the world by and large um especially americans uh it's usually not very good mm. and uh we have this sort of you know dominating mentality that we own this land and we can do whatever we want with it and it's our right that's a very american mindset um but not how we're called to live as Christians. Um, we are called to serve and to lay down our lives for the greater good um, and for what Christ um, wants to see in this world. And I truly believe that God loves his creation and he delights in it. And if that's the case, then we, we really should be doing a lot better job of, of taking care of it. Mm, yeah. Uh, there's a, a book by um, Stephen Bowen Prediger, who talks about the passage in Genesis 2 that's often translated to till and keep the earth. It's sometimes taken as sort of a domineering take. Um, but the Hebrew there can really be read as like protect and serve, which I think 
is not a way kind of, as you're saying, most Christians think about our relationship with the earth. It's, it's a commodity. It's something we can use up. Um, we trust what God will do in the renewed creation. Um, but our protecting it has nothing to do with a lack of trusting that that's true. It's just taking the other mandates of scripture seriously as well, right? So I'm curious how that sort of mentality of serving, protecting really kind of fleshes out um, as you're restoring and trying to, in some ways, heal um, damage we've done to creation. Yeah, so I mentioned that project in Grand Rapids working on a golf course (laughs) that we're kind of converting back to natural area. Mm-hmm. And like, I think that's a really good example of, of kind of what that looks like, what protecting and serving looks like when it's played out, um, mm-hmm. because we're seeing, you know, a golf course mowed turf grass is pretty awful habitat for just about every species. Mm-hmm. Um, but as things kind of convert, you know, we're planting it into native prairie and things like that, and we're seeing um, just an abundance of wildlife uh, really, I mean, we've had two uh, species that are state listed using the property at least, um, and just all all sorts of just really cool ways you can see that, you know, what we're doing out there is helping, you know, essentially it's helping nature heal in a lot of ways mm-hmm. uh, from what human activity unfortunately took away before that. Um, and so, yeah, in terms of protecting and serving and how that plays out, um, you know, when I get like yesterday saw an Eastern hognose snake, um, Mm. which, you know, fairly common, but it's just those things that like, we don't see, um, as an urban society and Mm. suburban, you know, our, our livelihoods aren't typically tied to the land. And so we can go through a normal day. And, and really pay no attention to mm. God's creation. You know, we come out of our house, we get in our car, we go to work, we get back in our car, we come home. And, uh, you know, there's very little interaction with God's creation. And mm-hmm. as a result, it gets pretty easy to dismiss it. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, in terms of protecting and serving, I, I yeah, we just got to, yeah. I think collectively as humanity, do a better job. <laughs> yeah, so within sort of the collective draw, at least within the church to be better at this and take this mandate seriously, what are some ways for people who you know don't work in ecological services, who their callings are different things, what are ways people in those different fields can take steps, small or large, that can help follow that in the midst of a culture that doesn't have like an emphasis on that or a drive towards that or necessarily quote unquote easy routes to that. Yeah. And I think especially, I mean, at least West Michigan, um, other than Grand Rapids, there's not a lot of like truly urban centers Mm -hmm. where, you know, you have people who own land that like literally, they can't do anything with um, from an ecological perspective. Well, even then there's things you could do, but Hmm. I think one of the, one of the big shifts is like, as, as Christians, you know, we, 
we are called to use all that we have for the glory of God, which includes our houses and our yards. Um, and so how can we as Christians use our yards for the glory of God? Well, most of us will mow it and so that we can have a nice place to play, which isn't horrible. I mean, it is good to have places that you can, you know, be outside and enjoy your yard. That's fine. Mm -hmm. um, but do you use your entire yard? <laughs> you know, like, are there little spaces where you can plant native plants or grow some of your own vegetables? Or I think, I think land use is something that people don't think about because again, we have this American mindset of, oh, well, I own this land, so I'll do whatever I want with it. Hmm. As, as Christians, you know, like we've said, that's, that's not our, uh, <laughs> that's not our calling. Hmm. Um, and so how can we use everything we have, including uh, our yards for God's glory um, hmm. to care yeah. for the rest of, of creation? Yeah, and if you don't have this off the top of your head, I could look it up and add it, but is there a, a good resource for someone to find out, like, what are native plants to my area? What are the sorts of things I could do? Because um, before you and I met, I had never really encountered even that idea um, of planting native plants. I was like, I don't know what those would be here. <laughs> so, like, is yeah. there a good place people can go look for those sorts of things? Yeah, for sure. Um, so there's quite a few resources um i personally um you know being in the field there's a lot of technical resources <laughs> that are a little bit more difficult to to use um but there's you know if you literally if you just google michigan native plants you'll find mm -hmm. so much there's uh, something called the native plant guild um okay. around here that uh you know they've got it's basically a group of uh contractors and experts who you know, basically specialized in, in native plants and native plant installation. Um, yeah, honestly, off the top of my head, I don't have a lot of yeah. like, like resources that people can just go yeah. to and look up native yeah. plants, but um, actually. I mean, I'd assume websites like that exist for. Yeah, I know there's one. Pretty much so people could, yeah. No matter yeah, I know there. Yeah. Yeah, I know there is one that literally lists like every herbaceous native plant, which is basically wow. like any any flowering plant that's not a tree or grass. <laughs> okay. So that's yeah. that's a great resource. Okay. <laughs> as well. Yeah. That's uh, great. But Michigan Flora also Michiganflora.net is based out of uh, University of Michigan's herbarium, okay. um, and that's more technical. But if you search for plants, um, it'll tell you if it's if it's there or not it's native okay. so nice um yeah are, are there any other things that you think are important in terms of how you think about your calling as a christian and your calling to this role and vocation um that you really want to talk about in this before we veer off a little <laughs> bit into the breadth of how god has called you to live in more than just this way um I guess the, the biggest thing and like really the thing I love about what I do is it it's so redemptive to me. Hmm. Um, we have, you know, these lands and, you know, granted most of the, the land that we own as a land trust um, is pretty high quality. Um, and so we don't see this as much, 
in most mm -hmm. cases, but we do have plenty of properties where, um, you know, there's a lot of human influence uh, on the property. Even when you talk about, you know, things like pine plantations, we've got uh, creeks that were ditched for agriculture, things like that. Um, and, you know, we're, we're trying to, to set those things right. Um, mm -hmm. Ways that humanity, you know, hasn't really done right by the rest of the world. Um, yeah. And we, we try and put those right. Um, and to me, that's especially when you see the finished product and you see it being used by all sorts of creatures, um, mm -hmm. plants and things. Um, yeah, I, I just love the redemptive nature of it. Yeah, I, I guess one more question on this that came up. I'm curious <laughs> how you see the balance um, of trying to kind of restore and heal with, you know, we live in a city and there's going to be roads and there's going to like, we're kind of in a system that functions in a certain way. We're not a hunter gathering society. We're not a purely agricultural based system. So there's sort of that pull in both ways where it's, we can't fully do one thing or the other, which may just be a reality of the now and the not yet. Um, but I'm curious what, how you think about that, how you hold those two things in tension. Yeah, it's, it's really tough. Cause you can always, I mean, you can always, essentially be like, oh, well, I shouldn't be doing this because it's bad <laughs> for the environment or something like that. Uh, but there's not always a lot of alternatives. So, right. I mean, even today I was working, we're trying to fix our deck at our house while I used treated wood. Is that great for the environment? Probably not. Um, but the alternative is replacing my deck in 10 years right. or five years or however long it takes for that wood to rot otherwise. Um, and so I think, I think really we need to, you know, as Christians, we need to think, you know, overall, am I honoring God with my treatment of mm -hmm. the plant? Mm -hmm. And I mean, that shouldn't be an excuse. I don't think to, to do things that we don't think are good um, or we're, we might be ignorant about, mm -hmm. but I think, I think we really just genuinely need to ask ourselves, am I, as a human being, doing the best that I can? Yeah. And yeah. I mean, it's easy, I mean, with anything, you know, it's easy to get caught up in every little detail. Um, but I would say, you know, be honest to who you, like where you think Christ is calling you in that. Um, and you know, no need to obsess over it necessarily. Um, right. But yeah, be honest with, with where you feel Christ calling you in that. Yeah, great. Um, so within this whole project, I guess, of this podcast of looking at how our Christian identity calls us to live, your job, your calling in this is clearly a key part of who you are, how God's called you to live these things out. But you're not just your job. Um, you do a lot of other things too. Um, I, if, if you want to talk about how you think about this in terms of uh, your marriage or anything like that, but one thing I really wanted to wonder about is you and your wife are in the process of getting approved for foster parenting. And so I'm really curious how your, your shared calling in that, your shared calling as children of God within the union of marriage, how that's been a large part of that discernment process for this. Um, it's obviously a turn off from the 
environmental <laughs> conversation, just kind of shifting gears, but I'm curious if you could say a little bit about that. Uh, yeah, so the, the whole foster care adoption thing, um, you know, it was kind of on our radars for a little while, just kind of as, as an inkling and the Lord really just united us. Um, even while we were dating that, that was something that we were going to pursue. Um, we had no idea what shape that would take or what it would look like. We kind of went through the whole, we like did five different orientations on different types of adoption and all sorts of stuff. Um, but, uh, yeah, we, we really just feel like foster care is where the greatest need is. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, it's really, as we've been learning more <laughs> and, you know, I'm only in the learning process right now. So, you know, we're going to be, uh, we're going to be licensed soon, but we, you know, haven't actually been foster parents yet. So right. I have a very limited <laughs> scope of, uh, of what it all will contain. Um, but we've been doing our due diligence for sure though. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so as, you know, as a child of God, that's also a large part of what we're called to is to care for, yeah. um, you know, care for those who are weak or the downtrodden or, yeah. you know, all, you know, insert adjective. Um, and that includes both, you know, kids who are coming from very difficult situations, but also their parents. Yeah. Because um, their parents, you know, the reason the kids can't stay with them is typically because their parents are going through a really hard time mm. um, and as a result, they're not able to care for their kids. And so, you know, it's, it's not about, oh, well, we're going to take these kids and then we're going to be good parents to them. Um, you know, it's, it's really about loving the birth parents too and, mm. and doing the best we can to keep that relationship between the birth parents and their kids. Cause no, you know, these, these parents don't hate their kids. Um, mm -hmm. They just aren't able to care for them. Yeah. And so, yeah, yeah, there's, there's a lot of, a lot of uh, pain, both on the parents' part and the kids' part. I mean, no kid wants to leave their family, um, even if, even if they are being, you know, treated poorly. Um, mm. It's traumatic for kids to leave their home. And so, um, yeah, it's really, it's really, you know, I, I would bring it back again to, to some of the, the redemptive properties, um, mm. even though we might not always see the fruit or, um, you know, it's going to be very hard. <laughs> right. Going uh, yeah. eyes wide open for sure. Trying to anyway. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, there's, there's a real redemptiveness uh, yeah. to, to Christ, you know, Christ calling in that. Um, with, yeah, trying to help kids and their birth parents as they experience very difficult times. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Well, not the difficult times part. The mission <laughs> for them, that part is great. Uh, yeah, uh, thanks for being willing to share that part too. Um, it's obviously not the ecological component of your call, but yeah, <laughs> I wanted to explore simply beyond just what you do for a job um though obviously it's not simply a job um yeah and yeah i don't know just one one little tidbit um yeah. and i think this kind of goes back to 
this kind of applies to both the foster and and the creation care stuff yeah um but like you don't have to be a special person to be able mm -hmm. to to do that stuff um mm -hmm. you just have to be willing you just mm -hmm. have to uh listen to the lord's call in your life and uh and yeah there's mm -hmm. you know there's not a whole lot of you know we don't feel particularly special mm -hmm. <laughs> um but yeah we're just trying to do our best so yeah only with the lord's help for sure yeah um i guess to follow up on that your company has volunteer days to help with things right so if any of our listeners yeah. are in west michigan and they're feeling called or inspired to step in where can they get information and reach out on that yeah so every second saturday um we have a work day in the mornings and that's usually going to be physical labor in most cases <laughs> um removing some invasive species uh actually this coming so september our second saturday is actually going to be some tree planting uh at our site over in grand rapids um we'll be doing some yeah some seeding of native plants uh come later in the fall um so we do we do a wide variety of things yeah. uh, with volunteers but uh, yeah every second saturday if you're looking for events want to know where they are you can go to naturenearby.org um there should be a whole list of events um, on that page. Okay, great. Yeah, I can link that in the show notes too for people. Yeah, yeah, that'd be sweet. sweet. Okay, great. Thank you so much for joining us, Lucas. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for listening to our first interview episode. You can find a link to the website Lucas mentioned to volunteer if you're in the West Michigan area in the show notes. Please follow us on Twitter at IdentityPod and follow me at Nathan Longfield. Please rate and review us on your preferred podcast platform. We'll be back soon for our next Doctrine episode on Scripture. Please join us then and feel free to reach out to me on Twitter or email me at IdentityPod at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening. Grace and peace.